Hello everyone, welcome to the Youth Critic Podcast on the Youth Critic Network. This is Bella. Bye, bye. Bella, this is Mr. McCandles. Hello, Bella. No. She's an experiment. Good evening. Her brain and her body are not quite synchronized. But she is progressing at an accelerated pace. Tell me, where did she come from? I shall. For it is a happy tale. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Youth Critic Podcast. I am your host, Kale Smith. Joining me going clockwise is Ryan B. How are you? Doing very, very well. My How the hell? And down to uh, my six o'clock on my screen is Kyle Arking from the Kyle Arking YouTube channel. Hello, everybody. How are you today? Doing good. I hope everyone had a really good holiday season. We are uh, approaching the very, very end of the year. Um, And so we're going to be doing, for the next week or so, a series of, like, catch-up videos. uh, Like us, you know, and with different, you know, of course, different, you know, guest, you know, hosts where we're going to catch up and review the movies that came out in December because uh, I don't know if anyone notices, but there was more than like 15 movies that opened in December all of a sudden. Uh, yeah, because uh, strikes, baby. And, and well, no, 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 award season. The, the, the good stuff came out and the good stuff always comes out in December. Strikes or no strikes. Well, I'm looking at you, uh, anyone but you. Um, why are you coming out in December? You're a Valentine's Day movie. You, you're, also, February. also poor things i think were supposed to come out in september but but they but because of the strikes they were they they thought it would work better if emma stone and mark ruffalo had rolling the folk could market it so they moved it to december hoping that the strikes would be over well they knew that they didn't want to have anyone but you premiere um on valentine's day because there can only be one sydney sweeney movie premiering this valentine's day and that is madam webb yeah, you know what? I mean, that's true. I mean, this guy was at you know in South America when my mom was studying spiders in the South <laughs> in the Amazon jungle. Uh, Wait, is that coming out Valentine's Day weekend? Yes, yes, it is. Good Christ! I know, right? And, yeah, and, and 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 also same studio. Yes, isn't 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 uh, anything but yes. you, Claudio? Yes, absolutely. So, well, hold on. Well, before we get too carried away, uh, we are talking about poor things. Uh, Yargos Lanthimos? Lanthimos. Lanthimos. Okay. We are talking about Yargo Lanthimos' new uh, preferred fairy tale movie, uh, Poor Things. Did you have any better, have any more expectations? Um, And then, uh, Kyle, what is the other movie we are talking about? We're talking about the new wrestling film tragedy chronicles of the Von Erich family, known as the Iron Claw. Woo! 
Yes. Uh, you did so... a better woo than the actor who played <laughs> Ric Flair in the movie. Jeez, it, it was a, it was a little off because <laughs> if you if you if you, if you want, I don't know if Ric Flair threatened to sue them or something because it because like the mannerisms weren't there. Interesting. Uh, so yeah, we were talking about the Iron Claw, one of the best movies of the year, and uh, let's you know what? Why don't the we feel, start with the, that? The feel bad movie of Christmas. Or, or um, if you if you go by the marketing, the feel good movie of Christmas, because <laughs> yeah. uh, a twenty four put out a, a a tweet I think like five days ago, so around Christmas time, it's like, hey hey hey, uh, spend your holidays with the Von Eric family. Go see the Iron Claw this Christmas, and you have pictures of of, of all the actors shirtless oh, and in wrestling poses. Uh huh. Anyway, in black and white too, um, to give you the raging bull feeling and the mm. opening of the movies in black and white too mm-hmm. yeah i'm just sorry i'm just going on box office mojo for a second anyway so yeah the, everything's kind of just like not and then of course uh, with everything coming out all at once not everything really is a clear winner even though color purple and wonka are still holding strong um but yes, okay. So, but yes, we are going to be talking about Iron Claw first. Uh, so, Ryan, since you are the wrestling mania maniac, um, <coughs> where... Jesus. Okay. Sorry. Um, so, uh, what what did you think of this movie? Uh, this is a really good movie. Uh, if I had any complaints, it did, did seem like that there were some some stuff that was probably cut out apparently it wasn't ready for the there was talk of it going to the festivals but apparently it wasn't ready and that they were and that sean uh, dobkin the director was was hastily uh uh we're still working on the movie up until i think they said three uh, i think matt neglia said it was it was still they they finished the movie like three days before its premiere wow Wow, which is, you know, okay, and and, and also like Efron's uh, all the cast is great. Efron's amazing. Uh, Jeremy Allen White's great. Harris Dickinson, even Lily James, even though you could argue that that she's more like the wife or or, or the girlfriend that becomes the wife. So okay. I have to put a pause there because we're getting a lot of biopics this, you know, month and because we got Maestro, this and Ferrari and we'll, and to me, I feel like, you know, the wife role kind of always gets dragged in the mud and I feel like all three of the women in each of the, you know, this kind of like weird trilogy, unintended trilogy of biopics we have that open all at once. Uh, I feel like each of the wife characters actually has a role to play and they actually, you know, almost become co-leads, especially in Ferrari, but we'll get to those two little, you're, we'll get you're forgetting two the other, you're getting the other buyer picking in boy in the boat. Didn't see it. So I don't, I don't, <laughs> I didn't see it either. Yeah. And I don't remember, think there was a, was there a wife? Kyle, you've seen the boy in the boat. Was there a wife character? Kyle? 
<laughs> not a wife character, but a girlfriend character. Oh God, even worse. <laughs> you know, the one that'll root for her man right when the the times get tough. It's, yes. It's literally the it's if you want to see the most stereotypical biopic, you know, you ever wanted to see, go and watch the boys in the boat. It has all and, the has and, all and, and 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 where and where the, the female character is there because they they said, "Hey, we need a female character." Yeah. It's just uh this sounds amazing. Anyway, um so the Iron Claw. It, uh, Kyle, what did you think? Um, I unlike unlike Ryan, I am very unfamiliar. Like I had no I no clue who the Von Erics were. So this movie was, you know, pretty much giving me a brand new story. And I think um, I found it to be um, really good. I thought that the performances were all fantastic. Um, I was also impressed by how the film kind of had two, I felt like you had like two tones to it where like the first half is, you know, your traditional Mm -hmm. sports um, biopic, but then like the second half of it is this really heavy um, dramatic turn that it takes. And it, the, they talk about, the Von Eric curse in this movie and I kind of just shrug it off. Like you're like, Oh, well that's just like a fun little scene they add in. But then you start to see yeah. that. I think the, in, in real life, the Von Eric curse it's, it's brought up in the movie. It's mainly like, like towards the end, uh-huh. but in, in real life, uh, 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 Fritz's dad, Fritz's youngest son, Jack, uh, died at the age of six. Okay. Which is why, uh, well, and that no, that's no, kind of no, like no, 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 no. Jack die, is the oldest, and he dies. Oh, yeah, alive. yeah, yeah. One Don't of the sons. One of the sons died very young. I, okay. I find like the end of it to be, um, like it, it was a different type of emotion. Like I didn't cry watching this movie. A lot of people I've heard about they cried. But, like, my heart was just crushed watching it. It was a feeling where, like, when you're watching this film, you feel like you're almost suffocating, which is not the type of movie I think a lot of people going into the film think it is, especially the way it begins. And um, I thought it was, you know, really well made and um, acted. And But I will say, and this might be a hot take, but... I, I wouldn't give it any like noms like for for like even Efron. He wouldn't be in my top five. I'll say that. I, like I I liked him in the film. I thought he was very good. And if he does get nominated, you won't get upset. I won't get upset. But I did not. I'm not raving about the film like I think a lot of other folks are. Uh. Okay, that is kind of a take. It, but for me, like the reason why, so I really do love and gravitate towards this movie. I think what it does perfectly is it captures this moment of the last hurrah of American exceptionalism. It's not, and also, and also how harsh the dad is on his sons. 
Well, wasn't you know Fritz a German immigrant? By uh, yes, and also uh, in in the reason why the name is von Eric is because when when Fritz was a wrestler, they wanted to invoke the Nazis, and oh. and, and 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 von <laughs> Eric sounded German, but that's not brought up in the movie, probably due to timing, and they didn't want any shit for it. Oh no, but, he's uh, not. Oh no, he's not from um, Germany. He's from. He's also from Texas. But that is a that is a choice to invoke the Nazis, uh, as you're like you know you're standing. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were. Yeah, he was like the heel or the like like the bad guy in, in wrestling terms, <laughs> and and that's where and that that that's that's where where he wanted he he led. Also, the uh, uh, the wrestling scenes, uh, uh, you can actually tell that that like Jeremy Allen White and that uh, that all of the actors took the time and the effort in learning the stuff, and that they're act- apparently they actually performed like ten minute matches in front of people, and that they filmed basically like one take with like multiple cameras. So so it wasn't like they 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 shot one bit. Brought in the stunt guy, did did, did something and whatnot. Mm-hmm. No, like, and that's kind of like the most the good part about this movie. The other, the thing I really do love about it is there's camaraderie. There's you know this you know there's something strong and powerful about like how you know this you know there is a strong family element, and then it's just completely like one by one. It's almost like a horror movie. But the the but the killer is American exceptionalism, ego, and like Bad. and the willing like, and the, the ill willingness. What? Uh, wanting to be the best. Yeah, it's wanting, you know, to, wanting to be uh, the, uh, Fritz wanting his sons to be at the top of their at the top of their game, and that even though wrestling is is quote unquote scripted and or quote unquote fake. Uh, he he wants them to uh, to kind of push themselves, and because if you in in wrestling, if if you're not over or or people are sitting on their hands and knees, then then nobody cares, and that's why that's why a lot of times wrestlers don't get the pushes because the, if the people don't care, and Fritz wants the people to care about his sons, and that that's why he pushes them. Uh, you could argue to the breaking point. Yeah, and or the breaking point. No, no, no. You're right, and that's like and it's almost like whiplash a little bit in that you know you have like this family that is just you know driven insanity. When and to me, this has just always been my view of talent and exceptionalism and. You know, and why some people, why a handful of people always make it through, you know, and become like, you know, the Zac Efron's, the, you know, the Willie James, the Tom Cruises of the world is because they actually have it. They just have the gift, they just have the thing. And everyone else either just had, either is having a moment or they, they don't have it. They never, like they can work as hard as they can, and that's the le- and that's the 
the hard reality that's a hard life and truth of certain things um and maybe this is just my cynical brain the the j the j rod the Gerard carmichael from poor things just in me saying is that you know the only people that will actually make it is the people who just actually has the talent the spark the you know the the world to, to go it's not even just that it's like that's great they like all those people that I just mentioned, they have the willpower regardless. And there's plenty of people that have the willpower to do whatever anyway. But what gets you far in life, what gets you far with that talent is like, do you just have it? Yeah. And it's, and that's to me, like, you know, what this movie is about is like, does this, does anyone in this family have it? And the reality is no, like this guy is basically being punished by God. <laughs> Like this dad is being punished by God, you know, and tempted by the devil to continuously throw his sons on throw an entire generation, like both both literally and figuratively throw his entire throw an entire generation under the bus for his own, you know, selfishness. For yeah, pretty much. For his own like entitlement, for what he believes is what he is owed. And it's like you're not owed anything. So that's to me like the mo most interesting part of the movie. However, like the more I've thought about this movie in like reading Sean Darkin's interviews and also the fact that he cuts out a brother and his reason why in that it was becoming too repetitive. It's like, dude, this is a movie about like how one person just doesn't fucking get it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It, yeah. Apparently in his mind, which I do kind of can see that if, because uh, Kale, you want to you want to do your spoiler warning? Spoiler warning. <laughs> spoilers. It's a yeah 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 yeah, yeah 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 the 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 brother they cut out also killed himself, and uh and the director basically didn't th thought it would be too much, and also would probably add twenty minutes to the runtime because you have to to follow his his uh story as well. Is that why it says inspired by a true story? Yeah, and also some of the events or or some of like the ordering has changed. Like uh Carrie having the motorcycle accident was a couple years after uh winning the title from Ric Flair, not right after, because and, the movie and, kind of, that's what look, the I movie implies. Sorry. Sorry, but and I don't mind like the con kind of the condensation or the condensing of like events and stories, <laughs> even though this timeline is kind of uh, the timeline, of this movie is kind of completely fucked because like so it much, takes... just, it, it feels like so much happens in like the span of two years when really, when you look at like the scope of everything, it really takes place in a span of 20 years. Yeah. It basically, yeah, the movie starts like in like 82 and, uh, and uh, Carrie commits suicide in 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 ninety three, but but the movie kind of implies that it happened in like ninety two, because that's when he, uh, uh, that's when he uh, <laughs> was was released from the WWF, and apparently in real life, uh, he was basically like uh, like 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 to was telling his wrestling friends. Um, I want to. I, I want to be with my brothers, and that this is and that this is God's will. Yeah. Um, and to me, like that's 
so I will say like, you know, and maybe this is a problem of it being rushed or whatnot, but to me, the problem of the one problem I have with the movie is that it feels like everything happens in the span of maybe two or three years when really, cause a, no one ages, no one ever has like a hair change. No one, like everything kind of just feels like it just happens. Um, and I, I don't know if I'm being, and I don't know if I'm being fair. Uh, uh, I think to be, to be fair to them, if you look at pictures of, of, of like Carrie when he st started, he still had the big curly hair, and towards the end when he was when he they called him the Texas Tornado, or that was his nickname when he when he went to the big time, and worked for, for uh, Vince McMahon. Uh, he kind of looks the same ish. And, and look, and, these are minor issues. Like yeah, these are just minor yeah. things. But I'm just like saying like because so much is condensed to make this a two hour and 10 minute movie. And gracefully it is like, you know, I mean, we all, we have, you know, so many, we have a lot of movies now that are like over two hours, that, you know, and we're trying to fit, you know, five movies a day, you know, into and, our we're viewing trying, schedule. And, we're, and we're trying to, to, uh, and for a story like this, what, what, uh, what else could, I can see where there's probably 20, 30 minutes of deleted of stuff that was shot. That that they probably cut out. Yeah, but I mean, and and when I was thinking about the movie, is this kind of feels like a saga? Like watching this movie, it feels like it's a saga that should be sp spread out, maybe to a TV show or to or something like, or, or to not even that, like or to something like the Godfather trilogy, because basically this movie feels like it's paced like you know like a godfather movie like it feels like it has the essence the epic the quality the the but also groundedness yeah. and also uh, the family camaraderie of francis ford coppola's godfather trilogy that's the iron claw part one the iron claw part two the iron claw the death of um the death of fritz von Lerick, eric <laughs> Like, uh, no, no, the Iron Claw Coda. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, it's... Uh, I see where you're coming from there, Kale, because it does... Like, I honestly do think it... I, I mean, it, it's a great film besides, but it would have also been, I think, a pretty good miniseries. Um, they could have really given us even more time with the brothers um, to see more of their um, stories. I feel like... I feel that like would, that would that would take a while if you wanted to go because also with there's also uh Carrie had a wife which which is never never mentioned in the yeah. movie. Holy crap. I believe David had a family or David the brother that that breaks his arm in the wrestling ring and then apparently goes had I forget what did he have? He no. had some complication during surgery. Wait, Ryan, was that wasn't that Michael? Uh, Christ. uh no, 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 that was David. That was uh, David was uh, Harris Dickinson, the one that broke his arm. He had like the ruptured um kidney, right? Something. Yeah. Like okay. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sorry, 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 sorry. Go ahead. Yes, David had the ruptured uh intestines. 
and Michael yeah. was the one with the um this the injury that then he had a surgery and it um it put him in a coma. Yes, he had the toxic shock syndrome. Oh, my I, story is so awful because he's just like I, a musician. I, 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 actually, I fucked up. David is the one. <laughs> David is the one that died in Japan. Yeah, yeah, yes. And and, yes. and Michael is Michael is the one that uh that breaks his arm in the ring and yeah. and and ODs on pills. Yeah, you know, I, uh, for me, Michael was the most interesting Von Eric of the entire group because he was the only one that wasn't. He was getting, like the socially awkward one. Yeah, but he wasn't a wrestler really. Like he was a guy that just wanted to. Like I got, like I was when. You, yeah, he. I you could kind of see. You could kind of see where where Fritz uh kind of pushed him into it. It's like like your your brother your your brother David's gone. Uh, we, we need you to step up. We, we need you to step up. And you see throughout the film, like at the very opening, like one of the mo opening scenes of the movie, you see like Kevin look at how the father's treating him. And he says to his mother, you know, dad's pushing Michael too hard. You know, we, we really needs to lay off Michael. And I think that when you have that one scene in the movie near the end of his life where he cannot play the guitar the way that, he wishes he used to it's like just heartbreaking and i i remember like they do a, an incredible job at kind of hiding what happened to him at first because it's like oh he's in a coma he wakes up but then you see him in the interview and like he looks he looks all okay but then he goes to speak and then when you see that he's not you know he's not all the way there He's not a hundred percent recovered. It's like, oh my god, this. And then you realize yeah. why much time shown you him playing the guitar, him loving his music, and I thought that was really well done. Yeah, there's also the scene too uh, where uh, uh, where uh, Kevin is facing. I believe it was Harley Race. And there's the scene where Harley Race throws him out of the ring, and he lands on the floor uh, on the concrete floor because in those days they didn't have carpets because uh -huh. they didn't we didn't think about injuries back then because early '80s, and apparently Kevin <laughs> didn't know that he was going to be thrown out to the floor, and you could see you could see his real pain that he wasn't like trying to sell, or in in wrestling if in wrestling to try to to create sympathy. You sometimes quote unquote sell that you're injured, but yeah. in reality he was actually hurt. And when he goes to the back, uh, his dad is like, "What the fuck took you so long to get in the ring?" Wow. And 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 Kevin's like, "My, my I didn't know he was going to throw me over the top rope." And in those days, a lot of it was was what they would call calling it in the ring, which is where which is where sometimes like the, they'll lay the match out. But then, but then, like, like the, the more veteran wrestler will say, "All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, but not, but not give any warning." It's let they, they don't do that as much anymore, especially in the WWE, where they want to have almost everything planned out, planned out, move for moves because of TV and whatnot. Did that actually happen to Kevin in like real life? Ah. Uh, 
It probably did. Uh, I know there's a lot of footage of it. Uh, it's on the Peacock, and also there's a uh, Dark Side of the Ring episode that that go that does that that delves more into it. Also, what's what's really sad too is is that uh, uh, Kevin is essentially says near the end, "I don't have any brothers anymore." Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean that is to me, and when. And Kyle, when you talk about like you know Zac Efron's performance, there are a lot of you know competition. There's a lot of competition uh, this year, unfortunately. But in any other year, Zac Efron would be to me in the top because of this scene alone. Because it's like the amount of just like you know he's been holding it in. He's been watching the slow death of his family. Uh, just spiraling out of control. And it's so, and so to have that moment of just like, just, just to see, to, you know, remember what, he, what it was like to have his brothers, you know, and to have that moment with his children and then to finally have the catharsis of it's okay to cry, you know, which, well, you know, his whole family has been like, you know, you can't cry. You're a man. You cannot show emotion. Yeah. You know, and to have that, like, you know, like catharsis from even his own children is just like. And what's and what's wild, too, is that in real life, uh, Kevin is still involved in wrestling and two of his and his two sons are wrestlers. Mm -hmm. So it's not it's not like the, the family, uh, the family trauma uh, uh, threw him away from wrestling and and or and or his wife was like, no, I'm not. Uh, no, no, you've suffered too much. Let's let's do something else. Yeah, like if there was to be another Iron Claw, I'm not saying they should do a whole franchise of the Sprint movie, but if there was to ever be more, I would love to see a story where more the brothers story. and even Carrie's daughter. So Carrie's daughter is also in the wrestling as well. So uh, also. So also, a scene that I wanted to point out too is the scene where, after Kevin's first child is born, and they're going through and they're going through the uh, the papers, and and I believe on the birth certificate it was that the, the, the last name was Von Eric, because that's what they were known as, and and, we and uh, Kevin insisted no no it's uh, it's Alderson on the on the birth certificate. I believe that's how it played. So wait, it, it, in the movie that's how it played, but did they also do that in real life? Uh, I'd have to. I I I believe. It's I not believe. on the way. I know this is. Uh, well, here I got it right here. Okay, so no, it's no, it's no, it's uh. Well, I mean, according to the family tree on Wikipedia, it's not that. Wow. But then again, maybe they did it at birth, but then changed it later on. Well, that's um, so, so. Or, you know, how that, like, how the curse itself played in the family. Like, was, was Kevin as paranoid of this curse? Oh, no, yes. He was born with Atticuson. Excuse me, everyone. But was, like, Kevin in real life as paranoid of the curse? 
as he was in this film. I don't know if that was, if they ever said that was, you know, true. Because that adds to the drama in the movie, but I don't know. Because, like, that, that becomes a huge thing in their, in his marriage because, like, I was really fascinated by how, like, I love Lily James. I think she's a really underrated actress. A lot of people don't talk about her enough. And I think she gives a really strong performance here. And I was really um, captivated by their relationship because at first it's like he's kind of like, um, I, I love that when they meet, she, she's like, can you, can you sign my um, um, paper here? And he's like, okay. And then <laughs> she's like, well, aren't you supposed to, are you supposed to say, howdy, howdy, how are you? You're a celebrity, right? How are yeah. you? What's your name? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's such a, such a, it's one of the few moments in this movie that, you know, is really like cute, you know, it's something you're like, cause I mean, it has moments even, even when like Fritz and his wife are at the wedding and Mama Von Eric is like, you know, back in the day we used to, you know, get around and she's like, why don't we just get out of here? And you're like, yeah, go, go, um, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm shaking my head yet in, in agreement. I'm nodding. Yes. Uh, There's also it's a, a great moment. I don't want to say that. Like, <laughs> they're going to go have sex. <laughs> There's also a, there's also a story that I believe that Jeremy Allen White told on. I wanted to talk here. I forget which one where, where he said that Sean, uh, Sean Dopkin, the director, was like, I want you to play this guy, Kerry Von Eric, and da 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 da. And then he, and then Jeremy went on Wikipedia or went on the internet and Googled who Kerry Von Eric was and was shocked at what he looked like because then it's like, oh shit, I have to get, I have to gain all this muscle mass. I have to have a six pack abs. And also, the real Kerry Von Eric is 6'2, and I'm five, and I'm like 5'7. Because they apparently he's known as as the short king. That hmm. does he 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 kind of comes off as as a little bit short on uh, the bear. No, yeah, Jeremy Allen White is a short king. He's five well, foot seven. What was that? Was was this movie shot around the same time as season two, or was season two shot first? Uh, good question. Because I, I because I, I think it took him like two or three months to get in shape, and there there are some scenes in season two of the bear where you can kind of tell that 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 Carmi is a little bit more muscular than he was in season one. It shot in um, <laughs> October twenty twenty two, and it was shot for in six weeks. Uh, the bear season two it was probably shot right after. Uh, yes, Google, yes, yes, we could, yes, um, yeah, sorry, yes, yes, everyone, um, there's no production, um, for sure, but I'm gonna just go on assume and say, yes, they probably shot this season two in December or January of 2023, and, because season two was released, yeah, 
Yeah, I'm gonna go yeah, ahead yeah, and go on a limb and say he probably had the after like like the come down of it, if if you get my drift. Yeah. So, um oh interesting fact. Uh Rami Yusuf um in the movie we're talking about next directed one of the episodes of The Bear. Yes, he did. Interesting. Okay. Uh, um uh, yeah. also one what well, it, it's a minor thing, but uh uh, one of the ex- I I don't know. Did you all stick around for some of the the end credits for the Iron Claw? No, I had a family thing to go to. My schedule is too packed to wait for post credit scenes. Whoa. No, there, there wasn't a post credit scene. But uh, one of the executive producers is the current AEW World Champion and Maxwell Jacob Friedman, also known as MJF, and uh, he had uh, he plays Lance. Do you remember Lance von Eric in the movie? God, no. Apparently, he uh, after after I believe they after uh, after one of the brothers dies, they uh, Fritz wants to continue the fam wants to continue and wants uh, I believe Kevin or Carrie to, to have a tag team partner, and so they bring in other wrestlers and give and give them the Von Eric name, and apparently that's was his role. And apparently it was mostly cut out of the movie. There's one like tag team match he has, but he doesn't have any lines. And I just thought that was amusing because when the movie was announced, uh, they announced that he was in it and, 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 and he somehow has an executive producer credit. I don't know what he did on the movie, but apparently he must've done something or, or helped pay for something. We'll so, go with that, yeah. So wild, wild shit. Also, uh, MJF, is, if you've ever seen the gif of somebody yelling out the words mid, that's him. <laughs> wow. All right. So uh, is there any, anything else to talk about with this movie? Uh, if you if you can, watch the, uh, the Dark Side of the Ring episode on the Von Erich family. It does fill in some of the gaps. And you can also see how like spot on uh, the actors are in terms of look, even though Jeremy Allen White's like six inches shorter. Uh, we can forgive. I do think though that this movie, you know, I mean, I think Zach Efron is strong, <laughs> strong, but like Moira Tierney is very underrated in this film. I think a lot of people are talking about how how much she makes of her like supporting performance in the film it it like it, like the guy that plays um harley race is it harley or harvey uh harley harley like harley quinn he's really good um i heard that like a number of people are really unhappy with the rick flair yeah because <laughs> it, it it's it seemed like like the guy like the guy either didn't have or didn't do didn't do any studying and or the real Ric Flair uh like 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 they didn't they didn't want to infringe like do any copyright infringement by like saying any of his real catchphrases because I assume if they did and Ric Flair caught on they could he could probably sue them and mm-hmm. they probably didn't have the money to do to, 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 to uh to deal with any of the lawsuits 
Also, if you go on the Wikipedia page for the Iron Claw, you can see what the actors look like and comparison to the actual their their uh their look, and it's spot on. All right. Uh, okay, so I don't have any more thoughts. Uh, are we ready to move on to poor things? Yeah. All right. So, uh, so since Kyle took the uh, took the fir- took the first one, um, Ryan, do you, do you want to do uh, kick us off with poor things? What do you think? Uh, yeah. Uh, <coughs> uh, actually, let, let's let's let Kyle go first because with with poor things, uh, uh, Emma Stone is fantastic. Uh, I think this is could be considered her best her best work because she she has to deal with like 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 kind of like an accent and kind of you want to call us would you would it be politically correct to call a speech impediment at least at the beginning um no i mean although it's yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it it's revealed why she has one, and then and then it develops as the movie goes along. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a developing brain, so I mean, it's not nothing more special speech impediment or an impediment more than like a three or four year old learning to talk or learning like actual consonants and vowels and that kind of sort of thing. So yes, you're no no. Um, but yeah, Kyle, go ahead. Yeah, so I had very low expectations going into Poor Things because I did is the favorite. Um, it's one of those films I almost walked out of. Maybe I'll give it a second chance, especially after seeing Poor Things. But even though I did like Killing of a Sacred Deer, so I I liked half of what I saw from Yorgos. But I think for me, like I'm like. Frankenstein is my favorite um, monster story, and I've read the novel. I love the movie, um, and I was excited to see this take on. Even though you know it's not the universal dark universe, <laughs> it's. Kind of like its own. It's the Disney-fied version because because Searchlight is owned by Disney. Yeah, no, right. It's a Disney movie. Oh, Ryan. Be- Bella, Bella Baxter is a Disney princess. God damn it. <laughs> She's a very horny one. <laughs> yes, she is. I I love this film. It, it looks like it will be in my top ten of the year. Um, I still gotta work it out. It's like it's like fighting with Ballad of Songbirds and John Wick, but like it is it is up there for me. I thought that Emma Stone because <laughs> I mean she always gives a great performance, but like not she, always. Well uh, uh, I counter uh, Amazing Spider Man two. Cough, goddammit. That's not that's but not she, her fault. She was good in that movie she was good in that movie but um that's no, not really her fault but go ahead i Kyle. love her as bella honestly i think bella baxter's one of my favorite characters ever because like she i 
and this is thanks to Emma Stone, because I mean, it's what's on the page, but what Emma Stone brings to that character, like, I was so thoroughly entertained in every scene she was in. I felt like I had no idea what she would be doing next. One minute, you know, she is... Uh, she's breaking ta- She's breaking glasses because she's, she's angry at what God won't let her do. Yeah, and then, like, another minute, she's learning about orgasms and it's like oh my god (laughs) talk about a i mean just an amazing character that also gets a really um delightful arc that she goes through i think what also helps this movie are all the characters that surround her because um, there really isn't a dull, you know, um, figure in that. No. In that. In that whole movie, because like you look at, from Mark Ruffalo to Rami Yusuf to Willem Dafoe to and Jared- also also uh, not to interrupt you, but uh, I believe like Mark Ruffalo doesn't really show up until like half an hour into the movie. Yeah, it takes a bit of time to get to him, and man, yeah, and you and you think it's going to be about her, her and uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, her and uh, Max. <laughs> and <laughs> I just can't go. I love Mark Ruffalo in this movie. Like his accent, he does is just so not Mark Ruffalo, and it makes it so more enjoyable because I feel like Mark Ruffalo played him like his regular Mark Ruffalo self the movie would not work as well but he he really does I feel disappear into this role in a similar way I would say to what Robert Downey does in Oppenheimer where I start to forget that this is actually Mark Ruffalo and I start to just see this other character and oh my god, this movie made me want to eat an eclair so bad. I was like, <laughs> you know, if I could literally just jump into the screen and grab that eclair that he threw on the ground, I would do that. I don't care where her hands have been. Uh, oh, Kyle. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> also, also the, the there's the bold choice. Of the first forty-five minutes or so being in black and white, outside of the flashbacks to before belt the the real uh, person, uh, it uh, spoiler alert, it was a suicide attempt, and uh, and God, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Will and Defoe kind of brings her back to life. Now, did you-, did you guys know about like? I didn't know I didn't, I didn't know anything about this movie plot wise. Me neither. Going in. What about you, Kale? Um, no, because I, the trailers, I don't ever... the trailers don't really give it give it away that it's like oh it's this Frankenstein it's it's it, it's more advertised as oh this is the new quirky movie from uh, Yorgos. Here's the thing: I will literally see the trailer when I start editing this movie or editing this podcast. I mean. Yeah, because so, I, I that that was a huge twist when I like I did not expect. Once again, spoilers. I did not expect that it was her child that was 
you know, her like that is a crazy idea, and it really yeah, yeah 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 her unborn her unborn child he takes the brain out of and puts it back into uh, Bella Baxter yeah or or spoiler alert uh, Victoria yeah that's so I had no idea about the movie I just know it's a new Emma Stone Yargos Mark Ruffalo is in it and apparently he uh, Robert Downey Jr. found it. Him to be a, a sexy king, um, <laughs> paraphrasing. Um, so I, I, I knew this movie was probably perverted, just because it is Yargos. Um, but Yargos, to me, my relationship with Yargos is, I don't always get his movies, but his movies are always entertaining and fun. Um, did you ever? Did you ever see? Uh, 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 I've not seen his first movie. No, The Lobster. No, no, not no, no, Lobster, no. the one before the that. Uh, no, I've not seen that one. Uh, no, 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 uh, Dogtooth, Dogtooth. I've not seen Dogtooth. Uh, I've yeah. seen The Lobster up till now. So, I, I, Dogtooth I, I enjoy- was nominated for the Academy Award for Foreign Language, and it's maybe one of the bravest choices they ever made. Because it, it's a Yorger. It, if you watch it and knowing knowing what Yorgos is capable of, it's 100% a Yorgos movie. So it's, it's just Yargos. It's Yargos Unchained, or Yargos yeah, Unchained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it. Yeah, it's weird. Favorite too, right? Yeah. I just keep thinking, you know, there should be a trailer. Yargos Unchained, like Django Unchained. Sorry. Did, anyway, did, did, did any of you read the book? No, I, know that I did not know it was a book until uh, I saw the movie. Look, I know nothing about this movie. I did everything I could to stay. I knew it was a fantasy movie. I did every, but I did everything I could because I try not to watch trailers to a lot of stuff nowadays, unless it's just like a big movie. Like, like I'll bring in, I'll bring in my noise canceling headphones into the movie theater to avoid the trailers because sometimes trailers spoil a lot of shit and spoil like second and show like the entire movie in the trailer. But Ryan, I missed the Argyle trailer because it's like a tradition. Well, oh, yeah, well, yeah, you can't miss the Argyle. Although when I did see, I did when I saw Poor Things, I did not see the Argyle trailer because I saw it in art theater. I did, I did, I did see a trailer for Kingdom of the Rise of the Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, mm. even though it's an art theater. Kingdom of the Rise of the Dawn of the War of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I got. Uh, I'm tired of the Godzilla and Kong trailer. I when I, I saw that before the color purple, people were laughing at it. People, <laughs> I think people laughed harder during the during like like the scene where they're running than they did during the American Fiction trailer. Like the American Fiction trailer got some chuckles here and there, but the but 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 the Godzilla Kong got howls of laughter. <laughs> I just saw the American Fiction trailer in front of Poor Things, so and I'm like, you know what? That sounds like a really good idea for a movie. Let's. I wish it was currently out right now. Uh, well, well, if you had seen done the uh, AMC Unseen like I did, uh, you could have seen it a month earlier. Blah 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 blah. And yeah. also, the the trailer is semi misleading. Ooh, fancy. Uh, so, but yes, so please go watch those AMC Unseen. They, you know, can be a although, treat. 
yeah, yeah. You could see that, or you could see the boy in the boat. Yeah, I'm never. Do- I'm never doing it again after seeing the boys in the boat. I was like, oh my god. Well, the, the oh, next wait. the next one is two hours and twenty minutes, and it's a PG thirteen. Let's so it not could be like Book of Clarence Origin, or it could be Argyle. Ryan, we're gonna date this podcast if you keep talking about these anymore. <laughs> um, because we're gonna because all because these predictions could all be wrong. They could be yeah. promoting the new Godzilla movie. We don't even know it. Um, because the moment they because the moment we'll think you know it's never gonna be a blockbuster is the moment they'll drop like you know here's Deadpool three. <laughs> um, two months not, early. Yeah, I'm not saying they will do this. This is this is. I'm not saying they will ever do this. I'm just saying it would be interesting the moment we all think it's completely it's just gonna be smaller movies. They're just gonna drop the biggest one. Um. Also, also with uh, going back to poor things, uh, I didn't expect it to be as gory. Me neither. Yeah. Even though the the, the like the rating reason does say the word gore, but I didn't expect it to be that much. I mean, it's not. It's not much. It's just the body, the cadavers. Am I? Yeah. Is there something I'm misremembering? Because I uh, it's cadavers. most it's mostly that, and and there's the. There, there, there's stuff at the. How about like? When well, she... well, also they, they also show like the brain removal or the, the yeah. when when they're putting. Oh the, yeah. Uh... Okay, I forgot how, about that. How about when she's stabbing the guy's eyes? <laughs> she's like, st- I forgot what she says, but it's like stab, 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 stab. I mean, it's, well, it's a cadaver, there's, there's, but no. There's also the part where. <laughs> Where where it's 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 semi near the beginning. I believe it's the first real pit of nudity in the movie, where where uh, where Bella just just like gives gives this cadaver a hand job. Yeah, I oh my and, and 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 she's doing it and just and it's like it just flops. <laughs> it's like what is it doing? How about that scene in the movie where Willem Dafoe instructs Rami Yusuf to cut out the tumor from his like um to do yeah, a biopsy stomach. <laughs> while he's still like just like talking like eh, yeah yeah just yeah uh i don't know if willem dafoe would be doing but this movie is a fantasy it's a fairy tale um and my thoughts on the movie is it is one of, it is yargo's most ambitious movie to date and i'm glad he got to make this movie um and it's also, also it's also so, it's also i saw somebody say this is his most mainstream movie um i once i would say something like the lobster or the killing of a sacred deer are the two uh they're the those are the two more like you know actual like you can sit and watch with a family and and that's saying something oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Well, you do have like the there is like the sex and the nudity and and killing of a sacred deer too. I mean, not as much as this movie. Also, oh, yeah. I love that that's the reason why the smooth when the movie goes in the collar. When 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 Bella, when Bella has her first orgasm, that's that that's 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 the reason why the movie goes in the collar. I love it's like fierce jumping, fiercely jumping, maestro and poor things. Couldn't be more different in how they transition from black and white to color, and I just, I love them for that. <laughs> I still haven't seen Maestro. 
It's um, it's fine. It's okay. Yeah. You 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 yawned as you were saying. It's fine. Well, it is like nine thirty here, but I. <laughs> and I say this as someone who never finished Maestro. I got like an hour and a half in. Oh my god! It it can't be that bad. It's not bad. It's just I just stopped at a place because well, I was getting interrupted, and then I just never picked up on I it. That's the problem with that movie on Netflix. Like I saw it in theaters, and oh, such a great experience with its sound design. And being, well, you can also have that if you have a home theater system. Yeah, my house, yeah. it was perfect. It was actually the only problem I had with seeing the movie at home is that you know. So apparently, so in the opening scene of the movie, there's like Bradley Cooper. He's getting up, and you know, and and if you're watching the movie in 4K or in a really good 4K TV, like with full array and Q LED, you're not supposed to notice that in that uh, Matt Bomber's like buttocks are uh, the, the, he, it's just lying there. So until he actually smacks it, because the blacks are supposed to have such a contrast. Yeah. But when you're watching it at home and you're just watching it on like a 1080p TV or just, you know, a 4K TV that's just like direct lit or, 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 or Netflix and it's crappy compression. That too, that too. But apparently when you see it in the theater, it's like, it's like an awestruck moment when he's like saying yes. Matt, Matt Bomer's ass yeah. in, in the theater. It's supposed to be like, a, oh, there was a guy there the whole time. Like you're not supposed to notice because the blacks are supposed to contrast that much. So and apparently, I, they, apparently they cut out a lot of the gay stuff in uh, in Maestro. Apparently there was some there was a there was a thread where somebody said that they that they saw like a test screening of it, and that apparently it was more obvious that that. Uh, Leonard Bernstein had a side piece. Mm. Well, I mean, it's in the movie. Like he uh, has... I think it was more blatantly obvious. Oh, that he was. Um, that that he had a. Yeah. He's getting some on the side. Yeah. You know, while Carrie Mulligan just sits in embarrassment because it's also the, the other problem with the movie is it ventures almost too close to like uh, you know the movie where it's like a period piece where a woman worries about if her husband's gay and <laughs> like it's her feet my husband may be gay how dare oh the embarrassment <laughs> um that's a, good carrie, of, that's a good carrie mulligan impression oh the embarrassment my husband might be gay uh so it, it ventures a little too close to that but then again i haven't finished the movie i'm sorry that's my mini maestro review. Uh, Bradley performance. Bradley's performance is really good, and Carrie's is really good. I just got to like I got interrupted, and I just didn't get like I just didn't. I haven't finished the last twenty or so minutes because this movie is because Maestro, much like Iron Claw, is like two hours long, and then there's like ten to fifteen minutes. I find of both films, Iron Claw and Maestro, are quite depressing. <laughs> um, you know, compared to. Also, also speaking of poor things, uh, at the runtime you don't feel it. At least with me. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't feel that was two yeah, and a half hours. It's pretty well paced, though. So I will. Oh no, I felt all of two and a half hours I'll, of poor things. I feel the second half of poor things when she gets on that ship, and like when they, like when Jared Carmichael shows her the people on the, you know, on the, the small island that are slaves. Yeah. That's yeah. where I thought the film kind of 
And then it goes into the whole, um, like, her and the... Her, her and the brothel? Like, that stuff kind of started to drag for me. But I felt Emma Stone's performance kept me, you know, interested. And I love the costume design of this film. Like, I feel like she wears so many different outfits that then it, it really changes the mood of the scene. Like, especially that blast, um, that the, near the third act when she is, like, well, I don't know if that's the third act, but when Mark Ruffalo, like, confronts her and her friend who's wearing this, like, black, kind of gothic-looking outfit, which is, like, a schoolgirl outfit or whatever, um, at the time, I was like, oh, man, like, that looks so good on Emma Stone. <laughs> also, can we talk about the dance scene? About and how like like energetic and great it is, so good. And how about the part when like Mark Ruffalo starts to jump the other guy and beat him up, and then she kicks the guy in the balls. (laughs) (laughs) There's also the the, the, Kyle. Can I or not Kyle? Kale, can I say the c word on this podcast? Um, because it is a quote in the movie. It is in the quote in the movie. You can put the you, you can, can put the credit you can put you can, the credit advisory. But say the context. Oh, I know what Ryan's gonna say. I know the, the the scene where the scene where where, where Ruffalo as as he's like like leaving uh, Bella Baxter in the it, when he when he finds out what she is doing he just yells out this cunt in a French accent in a poor French yeah. accent. You know what? I will give Mark Ruffalo this. It's not poor um, unintentionally. It's a it's a choice, but it is perfect because it just goes so well with the comedy of like the patheticism of Ruffalo's character, and like, and and I love like how each of the men she like Bella encounters outside of God and Max are just all they're all either broken or pathetic people. Like they're and, just, and they're ugly people, but but or possessive, you know. Towards I, at the end, the the possessive, yeah. Good. Ruffalo, like his character, never. From what I recall, like does he ever hit Bella? No. Yeah, he. Uh, I don't think so. He gets angry at her when when he gives the money when she gives the money when she when because uh, he has a gambling problem. Uh, this is this is the stuff on the boat. Yeah, where Duncan has like a uh, like a gambling problem, and and when she when she finds out about the island and the slaves, and the and the people on the island, she decides to try to, to give to give his gambling money away, and she get and he gets pissed at her, but yeah. he never. I don't think he ever strikes her. Yeah. Uh, I think the only time he like comes close to is when he rips the eclair out of her hand. Yeah, well, I, I thought it. That was a really interesting choice because, like, I feel like any other movie would just have him hit her, and it would be like this boom, like this is this is how bad a man can be, you know. But the fact that they make him still reserved, even like when because she, she hits him, she hits him in this film. And I found it a really, it's almost like he is so like 
cowardly in his way where he is, you know, against, um, you know, really confronting her. But then he's still somewhat a gentleman in the fact that he doesn't, you know, want to hit her or at least he doesn't try and hit her. But I can also feel like based on like the way Mark Ruffalo plays the character, I can I can see that he wants to hit her too. Like every scene in the movie, like I feel like, like he's, he could possibly kill her right now, but he doesn't go there. He's like, nah, you just stole all my money. You threw it all away. Well, and I think they're trying to save it for Christopher Abbott's character, uh, Alfie. Yeah. Near the end. Also, I, also there's this friend, uh, mutual friend on the Twitter whose first name is Alfie and I actually told Evil him like Alfie. hey I I I told yeah he's been on this podcast before right yeah oh yes multiple yeah. times yeah yeah I I I DM'd him it's like oh yeah Christopher Abbott plays a character named Alfie and he was very excited about it. Oh no no Alfie <laughs> oh, but, but, no. but he hadn't I don't think he's seen it yet. And there's also a sanctuary um was it is that the that's the name of the film right with Christopher Abbott and um, Margaret Qualley. Yeah. Well, yeah. also she's a, also he's in uh, Possessor. But there's a reunion from Sanctuary with both Margaret Qualley and Christopher Abbott being in this movie. Yes. Yes. Also, also did you know that uh, uh, Madam Sweeney, the older lady, was also on uh, Andor? Oh, that's where I knew her. The whole movie. The whole movie. I was like, "Where do I know her from?" And then there's, um, yeah, she was, uh, she was uh, Edie. Yeah. And then there's, um, and she also was the witch. She played the witches in Tragedy of Macbeth. Yeah, Catherine Hunter. Yeah, she's awesome, and she's awesome in this. I mean, she's all she gets all tatted up, you know, and you know, basically gets all motherly towards, you know. <laughs> Bella Baxter. I couldn't get over her biting her all the time. And there's, that, there's that one scene where she like she protects her ear and then she bites her on the mm. on like the thigh or something. And I was like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. I really was happy to see Jared uh, Jared Carmichael as like the cynic and not to <laughs> not to keep going back to the Alexandria, but I just love like. He did all, he took her to this island, showed her the slaves, you know, to basically hurt her, to knock her down a peg, you know, and I, she took it the the other way. Yeah. She's like, no, we have to save the people. We have to, you know, like, yeah. And it gets her off the boat. And I don't know. I just was very, you know, and then, you know, even then she's like, and it's kind of the easiest, like, for her to decipher like no no you're just a broken boy you know who you know who's just filled with you know who's just filled with so much pain so and i'm paraphrasing that but i kind of did enjoy that a bit uh or not enjoyed it. i kind of was like oh yeah like this is you know yorgos is kind of like doing like the kind of stages of humanity and then she has to go and then before her wedding to max uh, she has to go to the pit. She has to basically go through a paradise lost thing where she has to go through hell and escape hell to finally be free uh, and to understand who she really is and, and why. Then, yeah. 
<laughs> and then you have the twist of, of Chris Bravitt coming in. Yeah. Yeah. That was a hell of a foot surgery. He, you know, goes in for a foot surgery and now is a goat. <laughs> yeah, that, that made me laugh. It's so, what, what I thought was going to happen was they were going to take his brain out and put the, do, the the god's brain out. Too. And I thought that was... That was like, just, that was just like the perfect uh, postscript to this whole thing. They made him a goat. It would have been funny if like Christopher Abbott starts to talk like Willem Dafoe. It's just Willem Dafoe's voice and Christopher Abbott. <laughs> <laughs> or Christopher Abbott just does, does a Willem Dafoe. <laughs> he could he probably could. He's a talented actor. He's you know Abbott is who just recently got casted uh, as the Wolfman. Um, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. They're gonna try that again. I wonder. You know it, what? It's gonna be Lee Winnell. I have my I, I have faith in Lee Winnell. Maybe he's maybe. also he's also in Craven the Hunter. Oh wow! Silent. Yeah. I, I like Silent. I like the He plays the he plays a character named the Foreigner. I don't know who that is. In, in it's a villain in the it's a it's another one of those like obscure villains or yeah. So no, I'm I'm very happy to see him. You know, and he worked with Tom Holland, Chris Abbott. He worked with Tom Holland on the Crowded Room. Wow. Yeah, this guy's getting around. You know, and he's auditioned for Batman like two or three times now. <laughs> so yeah, dude's getting around, and like, and and bless him, he's like choosing these weird projects, like to you know pay the bills. Like with possessor, poor things. Like dude, and like he has to be like, and he was like mostly naked for the Catch Twenty Two series. Oh so, yeah, I'm I'm glad that Kale brought up the naked part so that we could talk about the elephant in the room and not me me being the pervert that brings it up. Uh, well, now you're the pervert that brings it up, but <laughs> what what are you talking about? <laughs> uh uh, there is a lot of uh, nudity in this movie, and in my I mean, opinion, yeah, that, to me, it kind of it, it kind of like fits the fits the project. It never, it never. Maybe it's me, but it never. Maybe I don't know, Kyle or or Kale. Uh, do you f- ever feel like it was gratuitous? No, I thought. I mean, here's the thing. I say perverted because it really is perverted. Um, but it's not gratuitous, especially if you understand the movie itself. Like, if you understand like what the context is, like this is a woman who is exploring herself, who who doesn't know any better. Yeah, she's exploring her sexuality. She's exploring what she wants in a man. She's exploring, you know, what she wants in her own life. What she like? It's the movie equivalent of like what it's like to grow up. Like what is it? It's a fairy tale of her like growing up, but growing up in an adult. But body. but growing up where where you, you bone anything that, yeah, you bone. Well, a I mean, lot. it feels good. Like yeah, it, not to not not to like stand in for women here, but it feels good. <laughs> um, you know, but no, I, I I really, but that's and that's like and that's but it's also her learning how to you know, get over, like, learning how to, like, maneuver that, how to use her, you know, her own identity and sexuality to get what she wants, and I don't know, like, I, to me, it all worked. It, it really, you know, 
it, it all is part of the story. So I don't think it's why can't what you was give it, me what was why, the why word? Can't, why, why can't you give me pleasure? <laughs> um, so, or, 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 or was that the line, or was it? Uh, can, uh, can you give me? Uh, it's like, why won't you do this to me? Or was it? I don't know if we're talking about the same scene, but there's the other scene where she's talking to Ruffalo, and she's like, um, "Why, why can't you do it more?" And then she's like, "Is that a weakness in men?" Which I thought was a really, really good line. Um, it is. It's it's a really really good line, um, and also I kind of you know, and also but also I really like Rami Yusuf's character in this. Like he's the one that above all else disrespects her time, her you know respects you know her as a person. He uh, had also to get respects over respects uh, respects uh, where she came from. Yeah, I mean it went. It is a little weird, you know, but I because. It's almost because her relationship in the first 20 minutes in the movie with Rami or with Max's character, Max, is more brotherly. Yeah. So it's a little weird. But by the end of the movie, I was kind of like, no, like this is the perfect fit because he respects her time and, you know, in her, you know, her presence, her mind, where she comes from. Like, you know, it's the full, like what, it's what any person would want. You know, out of a partner. It kind of reminds me of the little women relationship between Teddy and um, Amy in that film, where it's like at first, you know, it's not the same type of love, but then as it progresses in the film and they get older, they do fall in love with each other. And I think that um, that is kind of what we see with this Bella character in Max because she has to develop first. She has to learn about the world before she can really truly appreciate um, Max himself. And I I think that Rami is exceptional in this film. Like he adds such an like a humanity and kindness to this performance that um, I've I don't believe I've ever seen him in a movie or show before this. So he had uh, he has a show on on Hulu literally called Rami. Yeah, uh, I was, and, I, and I think he won like the Emmy or the Golden. No, no, he won the Golden Globe. Actually, in fact, I did. I knew of him because he was on a, um, like a back in like twenty twenty, they held these voting election, um, Zoom calls on YouTube with mm-hmm. actors, and he did one. I believe he did it with. Um, Natalie, no, no, I think he did it with Jessica Chastain. And, uh, oh, wow. I tried to, um, get in and you didn't. Yeah, I tried to, cause like if you, you know, sent this message, a voting message out to as many people as possible, you could meet the people in the, <laughs> in the actual video. And I got really close to actually meeting Jessica Chastain. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was, you poor bastard! But uh, hey, did, 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 did you see Wish? I think he was one of the uh, voices. Yes, he. Uh, he was one of the voices in Wish. He was in Why Him, which I think is Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston. Oh yeah. No, yeah. 
It's funny. I almost saw Wish. I was going to see Wish right after Poor Things. I even bought the ticket because it was like the last day Wish was playing. But then I was just so hungry for dinner. I was like, I'm not going to go see Wish. I'm just going to go home and eat. So. Well, I mean, Kyle, you would have been in and out in like an hour because that movie's only like 70 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, but with the trailers and I, does there's a short film in front of it, right? Yeah, don't they show? Um, uh, don't they show Once Upon a Studio? No, they, they no. Well, so for my sneak preview, I don't know what they showed, but I got there like right, right after it had started like right after it was supposed to start and I thought there would be trailers. So I got my own concessions and everything. And when I walked in, there was like, they had already went through 10, 15 minutes of the movie. So I don't know if they just showed the movie or the first, or when I walked in, uh, they went through a lot of exposition in one minute. Well, is it once upon a time, a studio, I feel like that one is about what, two, three minutes long. It's not even that. No, long. that, no, that's like seven or eight. Really? Yeah. Because oh, wow. they, because you have all the characters that that, that make appearances. I don't think. Uh, and, also, they... and also that 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 made the uh, the Oscar shortlist. Mm, nice. I don't. Uh, I don't think it was on there because when I walked in, they were already like they the villain already... and the char- and the main character were already talking to each other. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else has seen Wish. I have not. But yeah, the, the 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 Chris Pine and Ariana Du Bois were already having a conversation. It was a nice. It started nice, but it was. But then it goes ugly. So I was like, oh shit, we we just blew through the first act in like ten minutes. <laughs> um, apparently, apparently, uh, uh, Yorgos and Emma have are like the, the uh, like a is he like the mute or is she like his muse at this point because she is also in his next movie. Oh wow. It's, um, it's called yeah. uh, uh, kind, Kinds of Kindness. Uh, it has Emma Stone, Jesse Plemons, Willem Dafoe, Margaret Qualley, Hong Chow, Joe Arwin. So basically the same cast as this movie. <laughs> uh, also Hunter Schaefer's in it. Uh, uh, Joe, the guy that was with Taylor Swift before uh, uh, Travis Kelsey. Joe uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, him. Billy Lynn. Yay, Billy Lynn made it again. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's in post. Yeah, it, it, no, apparently they think it will it will come out uh, in 2024. I love the score for Poor Things. I thought the score was fantastic. Well, tough shit yeah. because apparently Thomas Newman just... is doing the score for the new Yargos movie. Oh my god! Apparently, this was this was uh, Yorgos's first actual score. Because I, I believe the favorite used used just like classical pieces and and stuff that was already previously recorded. That makes sense. Oh, Yargos or Yorgos, excuse me. I'm a sucker for a good score, and that's why Napoleon just is not one of my favorite movies of this year. <laughs> oh yeah, that score is like non-existent. Yeah. It, it, it's 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 on Yorgos, but it's semi off topic. But I remember when uh, Nicole Kidman, I think it was on Colbert, and uh, and uh, she was there doing or promoting uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer, and she mentioned this is the new Yorgos Latimer's movie, and Colbert just li- was like, "Oh, I oh I like him. I like the lobster," and that. <laughs> In other words, that he that that Colbert was like a cinephile, and I believe Emma Stone was on 
Colbert to promote this. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And also, she said, it said, it's a call killing of a sacred deer, and no, it's not about Bambi. <laughs> I, uh, yeah so i really like this movie um uh, really like how it turns i love the fantasy element like all the special effects like this and um bo is afraid where they just have like these old-fashioned like miniatures and just stuff like moving various like the the frame like just very elegantly you know, emits fake water. Like I don't know. I really like the looks of these movies. So I love um, the uh, yeah. It, it according to I, Wikipedia, the budget was thirty five million. But if you had told me this was this this cost sixty million, I would have believed it. Yeah, because I mean that one. I don't know what it was called. It was the city she goes to where she has like the clams or something. And wasn't she, that supposed to be Venice? Okay, so that city looked. I, I just that's like one of my favorite, um, at least in terms of production design, in terms of cinematography, it looks so good on screen. Also, I, also, uh, Yorgos <laughs> likes using the wide angle lenses and even does like a fisheye lens a couple of times. Yeah, and he has like those ones where it looks like you're looking through a doorknob. Yeah, yeah, yeah that that's that's what they call the fisheye lens. Uh, the Beastie Boys made it famous for their music videos. Go well, on YouTube I- and watch like. Uh, 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 watch uh, some of their videos. Well, and also, I mean, Yorgos there in the beginning of the movie, he has like this very, like, he has several lenses that make you feel like you're looking through a cloth or looking through like some Vaseline to make you kind of feel like you're like peeking in, like in a way that, like, I think because Emerald Fennell also has like a four by three ratio. And she said that was her, like, we're peeking in. But this movie literally does feel like, you know. I think this was shot 166. And I think, uh, I think Saltburn, they, I, I haven't seen Saltburn, but I, I did look it up. I think, uh, Saltburn is 133. And I believe Poor Things is 166. Yeah. The, uh, um, yeah, my, my, my yeah, my theater screwed or not screwed up. My theater had, uh, uh, had it like widescreen two three five, but like but like the black bars on the side, uh-huh. it didn't ruin anything. But but it was an interesting choice. I like how I mean in terms of its visual look, I do like how at least the to me the black and white of the beginning harkens back to like Frankenstein. Harken like it harkens back to like these old. Um, monster movies and then it goes into something way you know way more colorful kind of not i won't even say it's like if stylized color yeah if i would compare it's almost like you're making a monster movie from the 19 um 30s 40s and then you go into like a tim burden film or a janae panier uh john pierre janae film Mm -hmm. who I don't know Jean-Pierre Genet. We don't know who that is. Um, well, he's infamously known here in America as the guy who did Alien Resurrection. Oh, oh yeah, um, him. him. Oh, but oh, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. He did Amelie. But but, but in France, he's like he, Amelie, like, City of Lost Children. Um, his whole filmography is incredible. Wait, I that did Amelie did Alien Resurrection. That was yeah. his follow up. Oh, that was the movie he. Like, 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 like his, his, 
I'm ti- I'm not doing any of these more fucking American movies. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do. Well, he wanted to do Amelie after I think City of Lost Children. Is that right? Or City? What, what was the movie? Um, Ryan. Yeah, the, the movie he did before uh, 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 Alien Resurrection. Yeah, he wanted to do that movie. He wanted to do Amelie, and everyone told him, "Well, you're not going to get the budget for Amelie if you don't do one of these big studio movies." So he did Alien Resurrection. And the rest is history. That's unbelievable. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and there and, and look, John Pierre Genet is a freaking is a really good filmmaker. Um, one of the best to ever do it. Um, a legend in France. Um, but it is weird. <laughs> but it is a choice that they hired him for Alien Resurrection. <laughs> I think the somebody at Fox saw City of Lost Jordan is like. Hey, hey, let's get that guy. Yeah. And apparently he spoke no English on set. Well, he's French. You know, he's a French filmmaker. You know, again, no business. Also, also apparently in, because uh, in America, uh, uh, Amelie was released by Miramax. And apparently it had been on, it had been on DVD in France. Like before, like like apparently Harvey Weinstein didn't know what to do with it. Like like so many of the things he doesn't know what to do with, and uh, and I think it came out in France like two thousand or two thousand one, and didn't come out in the states until like a year and a half later. And then everybody fell in love with it and was like, "Why did it take so long to make to to release this movie?" Hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, so, with poor things, is there anything else to talk about? I'm trying to think. I think, Kyle. We Did talked you... about the ending. Yeah, I feel like we covered most of it. Okay. Wow. All right. So. With that, let's go to. About, with that, let's go to Aquaman two, the lo, the Lost the Kingdoms. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm out kidding. Out of curiosity, with uh, with with Aquaman two, since you brought it up, uh, as we all kind of sort of know, apparently the, the movie went through a lot of reshoots. I'll let could, you ask could, one question. Can, can you see where Affleck and or Michael Keaton could have fit into the movie at all? Uh, this movie doesn't need them. And they found, and again, the, the, the preview to the Aquaman 2 podcast um, coming soon. It, this movie is so tight and so, like, you know, it's so, like, well, I, I say well-constructed, but it is, like, it's so const- manipulatively constructed, <laughs> if that makes any sense, that you don't really, you could have been forgiven if you didn't know that there was a certain bat person supposed to be in this movie that's all i will say kyle do you want to follow up or are you good yeah i mean what is i think what they have discussed is the fact that these were intended to be post-credit scenes in the film they weren't um scenes that were in the story itself and i think all what happened in this movie was because of the shuffling of new regime changes and now of course a new DCU forming. 
they just decided not to have them at the end of the movie and make it just purely focused on Aquaman. And I think at the end of the day, I think that was the right move because if, if there's one thing I can give this movie, it's the fact that it's a standalone film. It is not, you know, connected. There aren't like there aren't like cameos from other people in the DCEU. Yeah. No, I mean the only thing thing you would probably say is like go watch Aquaman because I feel like this is kind of like if Aquaman is like part one, this is part two. Yeah. Um, so because it works very good as a duology, like everything kind of gets tied up. There obviously what could have been a third movie, like watching the ending, like you could see a reality where they do a third movie but um but to be honest everything ties up so good here that it's it's really okay and also i don't think people maybe i'm gonna be wrong but i don't think there's enough of a demand for aquaman 3 and i say that as someone who was a fan of who is a fan of these two movies so um, but we'll see. Maybe, you know, maybe we'll come back here three years from now and be like, damn, this whole James Gunn universe was a bigger disaster than we thought. Um, that would be wild, but um, I don't think, think this will happen. happen. <laughs> I don't think I, it'll happen. I, I, for some reason, I think he's going to knock it out of the park with Superman Legacy. What And he, and you've got Juker Douche Foley, even though that's not part of the James Gunn universe, that's its all a separate thing. No, no, no. Yeah. At the no. part two, which isn't part of the James Gunn universe. No, it, and you know what? I'm good. Like, it's you know, again, we'll save it. I'm saving, trying to save as much as I can for Aqua for the the podcast. Um, but uh, to me, I will say, I think you know, I'm I'm fine with everything being settled for now. I do hope Blue Be- they use Blue Beetle because that would be kind of a waste to finally have, you know, a Latino hero just show up in your just and then do nothing with it. I feel like that's a that would be like a weird, you know, backhanded, you know, uh, you know, backhanded way of introducing that character into this unit into a mo- universe is to like finally show mu- show up at the end of the of everything. But wait, 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 a Blue Beetle character shows up at the end of Aquaman. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. at the end of the if at the end of this you, universe, you finally show a Latino character, and then you finally, and then you cancel it, you know, just as like that movie's coming out. So, I I, I hope they use uh, uh, Jaime Reyes in that Blue Beetle universe. That's what. I, that's the only thing I will say. You could just you can sort all delete everything you want, James Gunn, but please. Keep your word that Blue Beetle will somehow make it. All I want, and this will be my final word, all I want is for Bella Baxter to join the DCU. What when she join the MCU because it's because Searchlight's owned by Disney? They'll find a way around it because there is a Doctor Frankenstein in the um in the Marvel in the DC universe. Yeah, in um Creature Commandos or is it <laughs> In fact, I think it's, I forgot, it's like, is it the Bride of Frankenstein or Frankenstein's Monster? One of them in that show that is coming out next year. Just so, give Emma Stone a juicy part in yeah. any of these movies. Make her or, or ha- have her do one of the what ifs. Because isn't what if 
popular now. Yeah, yeah. Aren't they still doing What If? Yeah, no, it's the the show is going on. Yeah, you know, have, have have it be like a What If Bella Baxter kills the the MCU. <laughs> what what if what if Bella Baxter fights? What if Bella Baxter fight fight fights Thanos? Or or no, she fights Ultron because that's the most Frankenstein-y monster in the MCU right now. Uh, anyway, that, that's uh, that will conclude our Iron Claw. This is a weird combo to talk about Iron Claw. And I, Cal, I think you saw. Although, although they do have a same thematic uh, uh, quantity. Didn't someone say that suicide? But didn't someone? Yeah, didn't someone say that the Iron Claw and Poor Things double feature is like Barbenheimer, but for the mentally ill? <laughs> yes. Uh, also, a good a good double bill with uh with poor things in addition to like Young Frankenstein because I think that would fit more in t- tune would be Crimes of the Future. Mm. Because there is a little bit of Doctor Frankenstein in there. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Okay, so um, with that. Um, are we ready to go to plugins? Sure. Kyle, you go first. You can find me on YouTube. My um, YouTube channel is Kyle Arking. And um, you can find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Arking Kyle. That's capital A-R-K-I-N-G, capital K-Y-L-E. Uh, Ryan, excuse me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Letterbox at the Chew Defense. I'm not spelling it. I'll, it's the American way of spelling defense, not the uh, British way. I'll just put it at that. That that's my only plug. All right. I will have links to all of those in the description below. And then you can find me on Twitter at MovieKale. Um, you can also follow me now on threads at, mo- um, at kale.smith90. Um, and then, yes. Um, so I don't know if we'll have another show before the end of the year, but we will continue covering 2023 for the first couple weeks of this, po- of this podcast uh, uh, into the new year. Um, because we still have The Color Purple to review, we have Aquaman 2 to review, we have All of Us Strangers, we have... Um, Is that even playing anywhere? Besides, uh, besides like... like uh, uh, New York and LA? No, not yet. Not yet. Um, what were the American other... American Fiction. American Fiction, and then... Ferrari. There was... What was that? Ferrari. Oh yes, so so for Ferrari for my for Ferrari, we are going to do a collaboration like we did with Fast X. Um, uh, We're going to collaborate with the from the top. It's basically my two shows are going to merge from the top and the Youth Critic. We're going to merge together to review in a big uh, like post credits finale for the Michael Mann season. We're going to review Ferrari. Uh, That should be coming next week. That will be coming next week as well as. The beginning of season two uh, for 
um, from the top, which is the George Lucas season. We will start from THX 1138. And just because we need to expand the, this, just because we need a 12 to 13 episode season, uh, we will go all the way to, we will review all the Skywalker Scott saga. So we will review uh, <laughs> Force Awakens and Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker again. And then we'll review a couple other like George Lucas related items, like a more American hey. Graffiti, the Clone Wars movie, and uh, we'll, re- we'll go ahead and We're review Solo. Strange magic. Are you going to review the holiday special? Because the holiday special is um, on YouTube. <laughs> um, that, that has already passed, that opportunity. <laughs> Unfortunately. I think, and also, didn't Patrick Willems discover the holiday special for his holiday special? I don't know. I just know it's on YouTube and it's and it's a fucking trip. <laughs> um. Anyway, so so it's anyway, worth watching, especially if you have uh, mind-altering substances with you. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus Christ! Because there, there, there's there's an island of Chewbacca's. There's an island of Wookies. A planet. A, bu- a planet. Wookies. A tree house. And 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 and, and, and the whole scene is like. 10 minutes long and all and there's no subtitles and all you hear they 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 don't talk in english or speak in english and they watch wookie guys you sound unhinged right now this um anyway but thanks everyone uh so stay tuned uh to or check in on uh at movie kale and then um my threads at you know kelsen's about 90 for more information on uh, the upcoming from the top season and upcoming episodes that will conclude uh, the 2023 uh, films, as well as a best of 2023 at the end of January. Thanks everyone. We'll be back with you very, very, very soon. And there is a world to enjoy, circumnavigate. It is the goal of all to progress, grow. A woman plotting her course to freedom. How delightful.